the Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Julian Rogers, and Dan Cooper. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 407. It's the 17th of February, 2020. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Dan Cooper. So deals this month, we've got some great deals from our friends at New Gen Audio, Sound Particles, Editors Keys, Focusrite, RSP and Avid on our deals page. Do check those out if any of those interest you. Okay, so let's move on to talking points and these are sponsored by Artoria. Hello experts and listeners, Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects including three compressors, three filters, three preamps and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigades and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is now included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, so talking point number one, what do we look for in an audio interface? Now, over the weekend, we ran um, a roundup article looking at some of the interfaces that uh, we've looked at in the past uh, for a budget-friendly interface. But for for this conversation, we will sort of just really look at each of us in turn around the table, but also just expand out on in other sectors so um dan what what about you what do you look for in an audio interface because at the moment you're sort of kind of changing yeah i i will be changing um i will be moving on my old avid hdios which i've had for well i've had one of them for about eight nine years and i've had a second one which i purchased second hands last year to give me uh 16 and 8 so 24 inputs into my Pro Tools HDX rig, which is a, a decent I.O. count, um, more than I need, if I'm honest, in my humble little studio. But I've got a lot of outboards. So for me, it's really just a kind of like a just your simple in and out for plugging in my Teglas, drink, uh, and my, my preamps. Um, but I'm looking to move to the Quantum 4848, which is, as far as I can tell, pretty much the, the same sort of thing, though it's over Thunderbolt 3. It's a decent enough price, about $1,000 just over, so about $1,200, if memory serves me well, which I think is a really good um, value for money. No um, uh, bells or whistles, basically, either of these interfaces, the old Avid HD or the Quantum 4848. So the 4848, again, is basically line in, line out, isn't it? Which means, again, you're not buying anything you don't need. Absolutely. There's no DSP in it. There's no built-in preamps. There's no, um, uh, the, the metering on it is very simple. I think it's just a single line of uh, LEDs uh, and it's all within one U. That's the thing that gets me. So my HD rig at the bottom here in my studio occupies five um, U of space in my rack, even though they're two U 
I always keep a space between it for ventilation because these things get so hot. Mm. Um, I'm sure you've noticed that, Mike, as well. If it's a bit yeah. cold in the studio, put your HD uh, <laughs> IO on. It'll warm up the studio nice and quick. Well, let's um, put it this way. I have no form of heating in this studio and that has never been a problem. There you go. So I'm quite uh, impressed already with the Quantum 4848 being 1U. I get all that space back, probably put another blue-faced um, <laughs> <laughs> now I've got the room at some point in the future but yeah so that that's the, the current thing but I do like um, cheap interfaces I've got quite a few of them floating around the house I love the uh, the Scarlet I use that every day um, just for basic um, desktop um, applications um, I use so which Scarlet have you got it's the uh, 6i6 I believe just a simple one and I use it for the screen caps that I, I produce for Production Expert and uh, I, I've got another smaller one the 2i2 indoors that my wife uses occasionally we've got that old Behringer Euphoria if you remember that from a few years yeah. ago um, yeah I, I love cheap interfaces it was something that um, caught my eye many many years ago when I was a student and it was the Mbox One and everyone <laughs> bought an Mbox One and that was the beginning of the cheap budget friendly not cheap, but affordable, budget-friendly, all-you-needs interface for like a singer-songwriter, someone that just wants to record their vocals and then record their guitar. And, you know, um, I love that stuff, uh, and we are really spoiled for choice these days for this sort of uh, um, audio interface. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. You know. Julian, what about you? Where, where, where are you? What, what parameters are you looking for when you're? Looking at new interface. Are you reading tech specs? Uh, well, no. I'm. I'm. I'm just thinking about this. I've made a short list just because. Um, uh, and looking back at the list, I can see exactly why it's basically a bit of a nightmare for uh, for people designing and developing products. Just because everybody wants what they want, and I've I'd imagine everyone's lists are kind of slightly different. Something that occurs to me actually is kind of if if we do uh, some kind of test article or something or, on production expert, it's not unusual to have somebody saying, "Yeah, but what does it sound like?" and what it sounds like isn't on my list. Uh, it's just kind of like, well, of course it's going to sound fine. Unless there's something terribly, terribly wrong, it's going to sound absolutely fine. And, and some stuff does sound noticeably better than others, but those things tend to be pretty expensive. You know, I was talking to a friend uh, this morning who's just taken delivery of, uh, of a new, uh, guts of a new studio. There's a long and not very pretty story here about what happened to the old studio. But um, uh, he just taken delivery of, of an S4, lucky man, and, uh, and a Matrix. And uh, and I was saying, oh, have you used one before? And he, he, he hasn't. He's got a Matrix because that was, at the time he ordered this gear, the only thing that was available. Actually, I think if the Matrix Studio had been available, that would have probably been more appropriate Enough. for his needs. But yeah. it was an institutional purchase. These things take months and months and months to uh, to to come through. But I was saying, uh, but one of the one of the cards he's got is a uh, is one, is the Mike Pre card, and I was saying, wow, have you heard that? And he hasn't yet; he hasn't finished building it yet. And I was saying, <laughs> you're the, in for a you're in for a treat in for a treat. Yeah, yeah, it's being used for foldback. I was going, what? <laughs> but he's going to make sure he uses the. But anyway, regarding yeah. I get getting too far into this, but that's an example of something that does sound better than your run of the mill interfaces. But you'd hope so because it's you know it's price towards the top end, shall we say. But but I think it's fair to say that most of the sort of low to mid-range interfaces, they're all likely to be using a very similar chip anyway. The, the guts are likely to be, chips. yeah. 
it's, very, it's, very similar. It's going to come down to how those bits are arranged rather than what the bits are. I mean, yeah. in the in the the least expensive stuff, you know, perhaps the, more attention could have been paid to something like uh, the, the the power supply and things yeah. like that. But anyway, um, so looking at my list, back to that again. Um, right at the top for me is clean gain. Plenty of gain, and it's got to be clean. Something so that I can use a dynamic mic or a ribbon without needing a cloud lifter, and uh, for just what I want to use it for. I mean, not necessarily kind of you know using a passive ribbon to record a sitar at a distance or something, because that's kind of you know uh, asking a little too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned <laughs> sitar because it is the quietest instrument I've ever recorded. I couldn't believe how quiet a sitar was. Um, but uh, absolutely, I'd I'd rather have fewer good preamps on a on a an interface than more indifferent ones, uh, and that certainly didn't used to be the case. But these days, mm. I'd much rather have you know seventy five dB of gain that's clean on two preamps than you know eight or sixteen preamps. They're all giving me kind of you know fifty fifty five dB of you know, and it's a bit hissy at the top. No, mm. no, not good for me. Um, Saying that, I think the reason I've moved away from this idea that kind of like, you know, I want all of my I.O. in one box is because things have got so much easier to break out of a single box now. Obviously, I want Dante. Of course, I want Dante. Um, but I'm not I'm not bothered about ADAT anymore, actually. Um, ADAT sort of feels a bit 1990s to me these days. And it's a really convenient way to to break out digitally and get more inputs and outputs in and out of a device. But it just strikes me as kind of like a little bit, especially with the constraints it can bring in with uh, with clocking. Yeah, um, it's like well, actually, let, why don't we just why don't we just go with AOIP because it's yeah, it's just a bit kind of better. Um, in a, in a, something else that's a really big one for me actually is uh, is reorderable inputs and outputs like reorderable in software. So I want to be able to arrange the inputs in uh, inputs and outputs in whatever order I want so they present themselves in that order. Uh, and also something that really bothers me on uh, uh, part of the reason for saying this is when you've got uh, an offset between uh, an input and an output of the same number uh, because oh, usually because yes. of the monitor outputs and stuff. So input in line input one is offset by two or four or even six yeah. away from line output one because yeah. it's and this is quite Pro Tools specific. But if you want if you want to try to set up hardware inserts, they have to be the same input and output, which yeah. can yeah completely mess you about. So I mean, there's a few things in there. I've got more things uh, that I could say. For example, I'm not that worried about an app. Actually, I was quite excited by you know iOS or Android control apps for uh, for devices. I can see the point of them. But actually, in reality, I don't actually use them. Whereas, um, uh, whereas, what I would absolutely go for is uh, is a cable remote for for monitor level. That would be mm. way more useful to me than any yeah. than any app. Um, yeah, there's loads there's loads of stuff like that. Oh, something else actually that I'd say is um, uh, is direct monitoring. Uh, that's really important. Just being able to set up direct monitoring of, of specific inputs and outputs in software, so that I can set those things up and uh, and have them the way that I want them. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, and in terms of connection, um, yeah, I mean Thunderbolt. I'm not worried about uh, I'm not worried about interfacing with HD HDX or anything like that because I don't have any HDX. But do you see what I mean? That's quite a specific yeah. list to me, and that's probably it's it's probably the how specific my list is is more significant than what exactly is on my list. 
But the whole thing about the fact that the big change for me is that uh, um, it used to be the case that you bought your I.O. and you decided the first question of when you were buying uh, an interface was, oh, how many inputs and outputs do you need? Because there was very little you could do about it after the fact. Mm. Whereas now, with with Dante in particular, uh, if you need more I.O., just hang some off it. You know, and uh, it's not a problem. You don't have to make that decision on purchase day. And if I made a change of what I'm doing right now, I'm using a Red 4 Pre, but actually on my desktop, I'd probably rather have, uh, if I stayed within that um, uh, Focusrite Red range, I'd rather have a X2P on the desk so that I've got the Red 4 Pre in a rack ready to go out. So if, if I want to do some recording, I can just drop my I.O. next to where it needs to be because I don't need a load of it next to me here. I just need some monitor mm. control and, and an input for foldback when I'm tracking. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, what about you, Mike? Anyway, I think yours is going to be going to be rather more, well, just as specific as mine, but in a different way. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm totally with you on clean going. Uh, as, uh, and I, I would like to suggest that that has become more important since you've needed to do a lot more speech recording because that's often where it needs it. If you've got somebody singing, you probably don't, you need at least 10 dB, 15 dB less gain just by the fact that they're singing rather than speaking. They're making often, a louder noise. <laughs> often you're padding yeah. it on the microphone. In, so, so from that point of view, yes, clean gain. Um, Absolutely, and yeah, ideally not having to use cloud lifters or anything, and and, um, and also moving away from condensers, just because I, I use condensers quite rarely now. Actually, mm. um, it's I don't know why that is particularly. It's probably just a kind of a taste thing, but yeah, I'm using way more dynamics and, and way more ribbons. Yeah. So so clean gain, absolutely, uh, I'm with you there. Um, obviously, I do have an HDX system, and my. My system got a lot easier when effectively I uh, meant I set it up with a an HD Omni, uh, which of course has several advantages um, in the sense that it has two mic pre's. It's also my monitor controller, so I do have that right in front of me, um, and so I've got two mic pre's, uh, so I can just you know couple couple of uh usually that's all i need in this sort of context it, when i'm working in the studio i just need a voiceover or maybe two voiceover mics plug them straight into the hd omni the mic pre's are pretty good um and so it's not a problem uh, monitor controller is all here um i also love the fact that uh i've got basically an optical cable from the audio out of my mac pro into the ADAT optical input of my uh, HD Omni, which means all my Mac Pro sounds come into my monitoring without me having to press a button, do anything like that. It all comes in, and of course, effectively, until the D2A in my HD Omni, it all stays in the digital domain. And the great thing again is the HD Omni has a sample rate converter, so I don't have to worry about clocking or, or changing sample rates because it'll just work it out. And can you uh, so, can you pad that back as well? In that case, you've got individual level control over your system. Uh, yeah, you've got. I'm pretty sure in the software setup, you do have some mm. gain adjustment. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's discrete weight, but that that gets around a bit because I mean, I can run my uh, system sound straight into the same interface over the driver, mm. but my system sounds do tend to be rather loud, which is is 
the only actually come, becomes a, uh, an issue when somebody phones me, and you know yes. you get that I've got I've got Apple devices and pandemonium breaks out. Yes, every- yes, because every single device goes into meltdown. <laughs> yeah, indeed. That's interesting what you say about the about the ADAT thing, just because absolutely in your case that's a case where although I'm ignoring my opticals, um, you're using them because you have optical outputs on your Mac. Which yes. I don't have, so that and there's another application where I think a the ADAT port um, is still has it has use, i.e., eight channels of digital over an optical cable because we don't use it with ADAT anymore. That that's long since gone. And that is if you take my mobile rig, which is with a MacBook Pro, it's now got a Universal Audio Apollo Twin, and then if I need more than two mic pre's, I use the ADAT optical input on that. Uh, and feed that from my Focusrite Octopre. So now I have 10 channels of decent mic pre's in a very convenient lump. So for me, ADAT is actually a really useful expansion port, if you like, in, in, in enabling you to bring in eight more inputs from something like an Octopre. I mean, there's loads now of... Mm. Eight, there's the audience ones. There's a whole load of, of devices now with eight channels of mic pre. Um, that you can ship into an interface. Agreed. As long as you're happy to uh, run the the preamp as the master on the for your clocking, because you've only got that input. So yes, that's kind of, and this is always what kind of has made me. It forces. I mean, in a small system like that, it's really it doesn't really make any difference. But if your system gets more complicated, there's always one thing that won't play nice. That. Yeah. Um, I can remember doing a, a band recording years and years ago and having to use a synthesizer as the master clock just because of the way things had happened and yeah. to get you, everything plugged no, in. You hadn't got a digital input that you could then feed with with, yeah. the, with the signal Absolutely. for no other reason. And it was just it. like, okay, if that's how... And it was fine, it wasn't a problem, mm. but it's not a choice that I'd otherwise have made. But okay, but if you had uh, um, AOIP available, then you're, you're using it because it's what's there, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and that's but but of course the other thing uh, again the the idea of sample rate conversion uh, again we're seeing this for instance the uh, the matrix that you were talking about before the Avid matrix the inbuilt AES inputs and outputs well the inputs essentially more importantly in this case do not have sample rate conversion but the expansion card the AES expansion card that you can put in the matrix does which again means if you're feeding stuff from something else this this all came about when i was sort of digging into uh, domestic monitoring or domestic system monitoring reference for something like dolby atmos how do you get a domestic system uh, output back into your studio monitoring and one of the conversations that's been flying around is effectively to use a device which delivers the audio from a DVD, uh, you know, a, a Blu-ray player or a Dolby Atmos domestic receiver, often outputs HDMI. And the idea is you have HDMI to AES breakouts, and then you can get that into your monitoring system. And But that only really works for all the reasons we've just talked about in terms of clocking. It only works if 
you because you can't clock that device very easily. So, but by having the sample rate conversion, you get rid of that clocking problem, which is yeah a fantastic thing. And I mean, this is one of those kind of intangible benefits of for the people who say, oh, it's really expensive, and it's it's really expensive because it's really good, and. Mm something that I certainly recognised when I had uh, an AX32, which is extremely closely related, is that the whole thing's running into a a much higher house clock frequency that happens within Mm. the AX32, and that's why it can do some of the things that it can do. So, uh, coming back to uh, just picking up and coming back to some of the lower cost solutions. um, Mm. I've got a big big requirement for the uh, budget-friendly ones. Let's Go for build, it. Build quality. Yes. Build quality is such an important thing. When I was at NAM, I'm not going to name and shame here. It's not the right place to do that. But there was an interface that I was interested in seeing. Um, not the 4848, just a different one. I was just interested to get in front of it. Um, some of the knobs were hanging off. <laughs> it's, it's not new. a good look, it's, is it? It's not <laughs> a good look, is it? Not a good look. And I thought, ah, right. And, um, you know, I did kind of point it out and someone at this booth went... Oh, someone on the team dropped it. I thought, still, uh, I'd like to know if I dropped my interface once or it's had a bit of a whack. I want it, it to. Would... I want it to damage the floor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, okay, fair enough. You know, um, and there was another interface by a different brands. I just went up and and the uh, I think the, the what was it the, the main volume I think it was was shaking, and I wasn't sure if that was you know it had a, a definite wobble to it. If that was design or because loads of people have gone up to these things over the course of NAM have just been turning the mask knob, you know, it just got loose. I don't know. Okay, what are you going to call but, out as, as something that, that is is properly built as a small interface then? Clarets. Clarets. Funny Definitely. you say that because I, I have a Scarlet in my hand, which uh, uh, Scarlet Solo, which uh, is quite new to me. And um, yeah, I like this little thing. I'm very pleased to have got it because my small interface... Previously, if I wanted to chuck something in a bag and do some work with a laptop, was an Apollo Twin, and an Apollo Twin isn't that small an interface. No, um, and it's and what's more, my Apollo Twin's a bit beaten up because of that because it's got the knob poking up and it's got and it's a quite it's it's not bag friendly. I'd say it fits into a bag. Obviously, you need to bring a bring the. Uh, uh, interface as well. I mean, not the interface, the power supply as well. But this is just a much, much more bag-friendly... Yeah, USB 3. It's yeah, one of the new yeah. ones. Little USB 3. Um, something I forgot to mention, actually, that's a huge requirement for me. Probably, I mean, this is largely because of uh, because of the kind of work that I do, is, uh, is Foldback, being able to route um, system audio uh, into into the driver, effectively, and be able to record it or something like that. But, I mean, something I do for fun uh, when I'm getting to know, uh, say, an EQ or something like that, not so much for dynamics, but certainly for, for EQs and things, is um, uh, I'll, I'll just root, like, Tidal. Just my, I've, I've, got, I've got a Tidal account. I'll just root it back into Pro Tools and insert an EQ on it and just have a little play. And it's just it's just not without having to worry about um, finding some suitable material to play with it, just for some sort of like across the bus, how does this behave? It can be very interesting to play with. That can be so difficult to do if you've got the wrong interface. It really can, and it's a, it's a bit of a tester for me. Um, yeah, I, I like those. The other one, actually, I'm going to call out, specific mention for well done, building stuff properly, is uh, I went and had a look at the the new little Motu, uh, the M2 and the M4 interfaces. They are 
built like a tank. That really good job on those. I was saying to I was saying to the guys on the on the stand at NAM. I said I would happily spec those for like a teaching lab or something, because they're absolutely bulletproof. Um, so yeah, knows a few there, but um, yeah, some stuff can be a little fragile, and it's uh, it's disturbing when you come across these things where uh, it's it's my it's my standard test is just kind of like grab a knob and d- don't turn it, pull it, see what happens. Yeah, but you, it's also confidence that you know it's not going to flake out on you in a couple of years. Now, if you remember the old Digi double O twos and double O threes, what would happen to them after about three four years? What the crackly pot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. And on the 003, it was a nightmare to, to fix and replace. And no, you couldn't just, you know, clean it out. It didn't work. Um, so it's that kind of thing. If you buy an interface and it, it feels a bit cheaply made, there's a chance you've, you've, it may go wrong. Um, you know, we use interfaces a lot in our studios. It's, it's they're, they're as, as, as important as our computers, you know. We're constantly twisting pots and turning them off, turning them on again. You want a good return on investment, more than three, four years. So if it's built well, chances are it will last you a very, very long time. Get your money's worth. I bet you, Mike, other requirements you've got, Mike, in interfaces of, let's say, the budget variety. Um, I think expandability. Now, whether I mean, in this sort of zone, we probably are talking uh, ADAT rather than Dante, Um I mean that's why I like my Apollo Twin. Uh, for me, uh, I still I still cart it around. If it's going in a bag or something, well, even if it's going in a, a trunk or a case or something, uh, surprisingly it heavy, aren't they? Box. Apollo Twins. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still have the its uh, box that it came in uh, because you, you're absolutely right. The the knob sticking up on the top and it's got various bits that stick out and just even just putting it in some sort of soft bag in a bag is still likely to cause some problems. It's so, a scratchable surface that that nickel finish and yeah. it's a pity because it's because it's a really nice looking piece of hardware and mine's definitely looking like it's got a few miles on the clock and it's a real shame because yeah mm. it's a nice looking thing that's not looking its best anymore. Um but but in terms of anything else I I think again because speech is such an important part of my workflow it's got to, even if it's a budget device it's got to have clean gain. Um, so that would also be a criteria because if I if I'm going out on the road, it's more than likely I'm going out to record speech uh, these days. So that that's an important criteria. Oh, do you know something I don't want to see um, in uh, audio go on, interface? go on, go on. I don't want to see that they're giving away a free version of Pro Tools first. That's not a selling point. There are some brands out there. That, I don't think you can but, really give that away. No, though, but you? no, they're, they're, no, do you know what I mean? They, they say included is Pro Tools first and other bits of software that you're never going to use. It kind of... The software know, bundle is, is a bit of... Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. I, it's, get it's rid more... of them. Don't need that. Unless, you know, there is actually a really good bundle. Um, I say bundle. You get Studio One for Professional for free with a Quantum 4848. Now that's a nice uh, addition. Well, Studio One uh, Artist is, is really good. Uh, value basically, and if they're giving away a copy of that, say you could do a lot of work with that. But mm, I agree. The, the, the free ones tend to be, yeah. Uh, oh, something else. I'd, I'd definitely say this is possibly a possibly a little bit of snobbery kicking in here, but it is based in uh, in the experience. I have a I have a deep dislike for uh, the Neutric uh, XLR jack combi connectors. <laughs> I hate those things. I really do. I want. 
Why? I actually, I think they're really, I, I think they're really smart. But there we go. Right. Two. There's two reasons why I don't like them. Um, one is that it's either or. You can't plug a jack and an XLR in and then choose between the two. So leaving stuff patched can't be done. And the other thing is, if you've got, particularly if you've got um, uh, cheap jack plugs, which I mean, you know you should have proper ones, but you don't know what's going to get plugged into these things. I've I've had people lose the tip of a jack plug of a cheap jack plug in one of those things. They grip them in a very particular way, and I've I've had to take gear apart to retrieve uh, um, uh, a stray. Because you know, like you can get it slightly off center, so like the the edge of the the back of the tip sticks out slightly, and it catches when you pull it backwards. Mm. And I've had them catch before, and actually, it's come off. And it's it's cheap, nasty jacks. Yeah, but you know, cheap, nasty jacks like, for example, a guitarist might have because you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, these things. Actually, that's a good one. Um, uh, high set inputs. Do we care? Y- yeah. Yeah. Not personally, no. Don't give them monkeys. But uh, but that's not my workflow. So okay, I, I, how about this then? So if you're going to get a, an interface that has pre's, let's say it's a one U interface, um, it's got to have at least two inputs on the front. At least, at least two on the front, so you're not climbing round the back. I'm not a fan of the of front connections for anything other than headphones. Actually, I have to say, uh, I see, I'm different. I just, you know, I don't want to have extra cables running around or all that. For me, like again, I've got the Claret here. I've got a PreSonus One Nine Two. That's kind of their older One U thing. They both got two uh, combis on the front, which is great when you go, like, let's say for this podcast, I was in a bit of a rush getting down here today. Click on. It's just there. Mm. I'm, I'm, mm. I, I know what you're saying, and they are very practical. I don't know why I, I'm not a, a huge fan, but what I have done in the past is I've made an XLR panel with uh, XLR chassis in, so I've got front-mounted, but they're not actually on the interface, and that's basically yeah. the same thing. But maybe it's because if they're on the front, they tend to be those combi jacks. And actually, <laughs> I, I, know, I know what it is. I do know what it is. What it is is if you want to patch something up completely and install it, if mm. you've got... Six out, six inputs on the back and two on the front. That's messy. Yes, that's messy. I that that I would. Uh, yeah. Uh, when it comes to rack mounts, the, the the if you've got two on the front, they should be ideally mirrored on the back, so that you can do yeah, it install. That I would be fine. I'd be fine with that. Okay. And uh, while we're talking about those connections, um, headphone outputs. How bothered are you about having two headphone outputs? On a portable on a portable system, I think it's a it's a neat it's a nice feature because it means as 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 me as the engineer, I can have a different headphone mix and a, a level to an artist. Uh, so I think on on something that's portable or i.e. in or, or that could be translated into a, a, a singer songwriter type scenario. I think two headphone outputs is not, pretty not important. not one earbud each, not one earbud each, and stand close to each other. Then <laughs> no, but that though, it is a very useful thing. Again, going back to the 002003 era of fifteen years ago, uh, I owned both of those, and when I went from the 002 to the three, there was an extra headphone. And that made the world a difference because before that I had a really cheap little splitter thing. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money. I was a student. And yeah, for me, two headphone outs is is a, is a must because most of the time when I'm recording music, I'm recording it with someone. You see, my thing is actually, um, I'm not that, I mean, I'd never say no, I don't want a thing because kind of, you know, it's not like it's taking up a whole lot of space being there. 
but if I find I'm using one more than one headphone output, I'm using I'm usually using more than two. And I mean, I've got I've got a rack mount headphone amp. You know, I mean, I can I can break that out. It's nice to have lots of different mixes, admittedly, um, and probably connecting that up via some discrete outputs. And you know, you can get as, you can get as sophisticated as you like with this kind of thing because more mixes is obviously better. But actually, two is a fun. I, I get the the logic behind it if you're working with another person. It, to be honest, as often as not, it's not one of the person. It's kind of, you know, three, four, da-da-da-da-da. So, yeah. But anyway, that's just me. Um, I, I think I think we're proving a point here, which is that um, th- there is no, there's, there's no uh, correct format or feature set for mm. an interface. Uh, everybody wants something slightly different, which is kind of kind of healthy because I mean, considering we've already agreed that they all sound pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean that the, the one thing that I think we can safely say, other than talking about the fact that other people talk about it, none of us, uh, for us, none of us, the sound of the interface. So we 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 often get people contacting us and say, can you can you tell me what the you know what the sound difference is between one interface and another interface? Um. Well, no, because we've never, we've virtually never had the opportunity to put two those two interfaces side by side. And again, it kind of gets pretty subjective one way or another. Um, so no, we've got to a point now with electronics, both analog and digital, where that really isn't an issue unless you, as we've said before, with with things like the. Um, the DAD AX32, and obviously by by translation, the uh, Avid Matrix. When you spend a significant amount of money, then yes, there is a, there will be a difference. But for the sort of money for most interfaces uh, that are available, until you get to the very high end, they're all going to be very similar. Mm, and I also think as well, you know, that sort of argument of uh, I can hear that this interface sounds better than that one. Well. Yeah, well, someone, you get into- someone that's really good with sound will make a bad interface sound good because they're good with microphone technique and all that other stuff. You know, it's that but- old saying with like, you know, a really good guitarist can make a really cheap, mm. nasty guitar sound good. It's kind of the same yeah. with interfaces. But it's can- also it's also the 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 way you've actually established. If you know that it's in which is interface A and which is interface B, your positive bias goes is is going to have a. a, a an impact uh you've the only way you can be you can be anywhere sure with anything like this when you're talking about comparing sounds is if you are doing what's called double blind listening so you are listening you have no idea which is which somebody else is making the switch or the or the effectively the switch is just you've got choice between a and b uh, and you have no idea which is A and which is B. Ah, that's not double blind. Double blind is the person okay. who's doing the switching doesn't know either. Okay, that's even double better. blind, and that's yes. that's yeah, yeah. It's so you can't you even you even can't. So do you like this one or this one? This one, yes. Yeah, you can, make, you can <laughs> yeah. make a triple yeah. blind if you got me doing the test. There's one interesting. Go on, Julian. There's sorry. something that we haven't mentioned actually, which uh, I'm just looking at my red four pre and thinking, how can I not have mentioned that? Heat and fans. Oh, yes, of course. I have an HD Omni, which has been quite been modded, has been yeah, quietened. Yeah. <laughs> you've oh, you quietened your Omni. I've got 
well, these these HDIOs are not quiet. No, they that's why I've got quiet. mine in a cupboard with a big yeah with the squeakiest door and, now, and which silly, isn't the squeakiest door anymore. When, but yeah, when I bought the second one last year, I completely forgot about the sound of these things. So it's twice as loud. As soon as I put yes. it, in, I went, "Oh bugger!" Yes, uh, it's, no, noise, it's really them. noisy now. <laughs> and then when you get HDX, the actual card spooling yes, up. Oh, those God, they so are. Yeah. I am not going to miss that noise when uh, I've gone Studio One fully. <laughs> There's a couple of things in here. I mean, thinking about because I mean, this the, the Red Four Pre's got got a fan in it, which it it yeah, it is kind of annoying. I mean, when it's extremely quiet in here, I do notice it. And when I turn it off, I notice it's gone. It's yeah. not something that's. It's hardly mission critical. I mean, it's fine. It's not. It's not like kind of. You it's, know, it's it's not leaf down in the ambient noise yeah, yeah. level. It's that's fine. But something actually that's way more annoying, and uh, particularly this is something to, that unfortunately is really difficult to to research or find out about before you make a purchase. But especially with cheap gear, is um, bus powering. There's a whole thing with uh, with. Um, Earth loops and yeah. that's and but if if you're in that position where you're running something off a MacBook Pro but you can only actually use it with it running off the battery because since you mm. you know this kind of stuff but way more insidious than that and I've I've been driven crazy by this stuff is acoustic noise from uh, wall wart power supplies yeah that drives me nuts. And you, I mean, yeah, there's a few different flavors. They're using the cheapest transformer in the world, and the laminations are sitting there and rattling. Yeah, and it's just, and depending on exactly what combination of stuff, you can get these like anything from buzzes to whines to whistles. Yeah, to, and yeah, they make me, they make me want to just yeah have mm. have a frank exchange of views with the designer <laughs> because yeah, it's one of those things that just when you power when you power stuff down and then you go, oh, that's better. You think, oh mm. yeah. There was one particular one on uh, an effects processor in a room I used to work in a lot. And uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. It was kind of about up about 10K kind of thing that, you know, just it's it's there just like a dentist drill in the back of your mind the whole time. Oh, well, that's obviously a switch mode power supply, which again, effectively, because that's how you, how they work, the, the laminations of a much smaller transformer were rattling at the frequency of the switch mode power supply, I guess. Yes, but yeah. yes. No, very, very uh, short. But what can you do about that? You know, and I mean, yeah. if it's... You don't it, know until you bought it. And if mm. it's if it's a reasonably reasonably uh common power supply that you can swap out for another unit fine but some stuff's kind of quite specific and quite odd and not particularly yeah. well labeled and you don't know the polarity of the connector and are you just going to plug one in that fits and find out i mean mm. well, probably not actually so no yeah. okay i think we should move along uh Julian, we've got a competition this month. We do. Uh, Dante and Audio Over IPs change the worlds of live sound, install sound and big studio and post facilities. In fact, anywhere where lots of audio needs to be moved around a large site or shared with lots of users. But what about smaller studios? The easiest way to bring non-Dante equipment onto a Dante network is using Ordinate's Avio inline adapters. How would you make your studio better or easier to use with Avio adapters? Enter our competition, tell us your suggested use, and if they like yours best, Ordinate will give you four Avio adapters of your choice and a copy of Dante Virtual Sound Card. Head over to the win page to find out more. And I think uh, our previous conversation just points out that Dante is not necessarily just for big studios. It, uh, as, a, as an expansion, a future expansion port, um, as we intimated, it has a lot of merit for smaller facilities. So... Uh, Another thing to consider. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. 
register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. Even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, so on to Find of the Week, and these are sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shaw, Loughton, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what mic you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in LA, you can book a demo so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. So, find of the week. Um, Julian, what's yours? All right, mine, uh, I, for, for various reasons, I've dug out my old Genelex, and uh, I'm kind of enjoying them, actually. Uh, I've got a pair of 1029As that I've had since uh, yeah. 2000, blur, blur, blur. possibly, <laughs> maybe slightly before that, and the 1091 Sub which uh, I, I am actually using. I kind of, I gave, gave, I retired that for about five years because uh, um, if you don't know it, it's kind of like, it's quite a small box and it's, a, I think, a fourth order or sixth order bandpass box. And basically it makes lots of deep bass in the same way as blowing across the top of a, a demijohn does. It's kind of quite <laughs> slow. It's a, but anyway, I've, I've been using them and, and actually they're great for, you know, I mean, I know Alan, really rates them and he, he mm. he's had them before and they are good but in this room they're just there was some nasty nasty kind of uh low mid kind of real congestion happening in a really noticeable way i've been a bit spoilt and uh kind of coming back onto these especially after having those dynaudio cool 47s in for quite a while they were a nice pair of speakers and coming back onto these it was like yeah and I was wondering what to do about it. And uh, talking to Dan, and uh, it, of course it was, oh, sonar works. And I was going, nah, but I bought a measurement mic. I bought a really cheap measurement mic just to have a play with sonar works. A while ago, Dan, you you were talking about you don't need to go and, you know, spend 150 quid on a on a half-decent measurement mic to uh, um, to just try it out. And I went, yeah, I'll buy the cheapest one I can get. And uh, I got it out and it wasn't working anymore because it was the cheap, it's the cheapest, most useless thing. That... <laughs> so I thought, uh, yeah. And looking at the options, I got the Sonarworks one. So Sonarworks seller measurement mic. And looking at it, I thought, well, isn't that just the same one as the as the, as like the Behringer one or something? And I mean, it looks similar. Actually, holding, I don't think it is. I don't think that it has anything in common apart from the colour and the uh, and the. Uh, the, the outside, yeah, yeah, absolutely, the casing. But <laughs> yeah. the thing that you're got saying my attention... Sonar works, and you're saying Sonar works copied a product by Behringer. No, no, they'll have used the same <laughs> third-party manufacturer. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's got some. But having having held both microphones, I think yeah, actually, this doesn't feel like the same unit. It might be, I don't know. Mm. But the thing that got my attention was uh, if you get one, you can download uh, a. Uh, a response, yeah, a, a calibration profile. Yeah, basically, it's it's been measured before it goes out, and because of that, up to a point, it doesn't really matter how accurate it is because it's being compensated for in the profile. That's the point of a calibrated mic. When I use the mm. roll, um, not <clears throat> Roland, what's Roland got to do with it? The Genelec uh, GLM uh, system. Yeah, this little microphone, and and the whole point is it's got 
a calibration profile that comes with it so it knows mm. exactly what it's listening through so because of that it's way more accurate anyway i ran it and um yeah i mean it's it's load better surprising amounts of bottom end which i'm sort of slightly alarmed about and i'm going really but i'm i'm getting that classic small room thing of kind of like a deep null at the uh, in the kind of meaty part of the bass so around 85 hertz i'm i'm kind of losing a lot of stuff which is the axial mode stuff and i knew that and uh, yeah, I've played around with moving the sub around the room like you do, and people say things like, "Yeah, just move it anywhere, try it in loads of different positions." I'm going, "Where this room's kind of yeah. got stuff mm-hmm. in it already?" Thank you. So you know, it's easy to say stuff like that, but actually doing it's a bit more challenging. But anyway, I've radically improved the sound of these little Genelecs in this particular room, and it's so easy because you can try different stuff and just recall them at the touch of a button and try them out. And yeah. Um, really worth doing, and it wasn't particularly expensive, and very worth, very worth my time. So yeah, that's mine. Um, Dan, what about you? Ah, uh, so we all know now. I'm doing the switch from Mac to Windows, um, uh, Pro Tools to Studio One. There's one other part component of my workflow that also does need to move across, and that is video editing um, for my clients for the projects me and my wife do, and of course, production expert. Um, so Final Cut has been my editor of choice for, oh God, how long? Uh, since 2013, quite a while. Um, but no, that won't work in Windows. So I've had to do a lot of research, to try and find uh, an alternative. Now, James, when he did his switch, he went from Final Cut to Premiere. And I thought, okay, yeah, that that, that seems to be working for James. Um I could do that too, but I've just dropped three thousand pounds on uh, the computer, and obviously there's other bits and bobs I've got to buy for this switch over, like the forty eight forty eight and other bits and bobs as well. I thought I don't want to go mad um, <laughs> on the credit card, so luckily I found DaVinci Resolve sixteen, two versions, a free version and a paid for version. The paid for version is about four hundred quid, if I remember correctly. And yeah, all the bells and whistles for the professional editor. That's not me. Um, so I've tried the free version. I, I spent half a day last week, Friday, training, teaching myself how to use DaVinci Resolve. So I pulled you know, some content up, cut a video. Could I do it? If I could, I'll go with it. If I couldn't, I'll try Premiere. Well, DaVinci Resolve is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. For the main reason that it's got an audio m- uh, mixer in it, which Final yeah. Cut hasn't. Uh, so that alone is worth um, switching over. But it's just a really clean workflow as well. I found it to be really nice. Um, yeah, it kept up with my pace. And that's what software has to do, doesn't it? It has to keep up with mm. your creative t- uh, decisions and choices and not get in the way. Sure, I've got that little bit of, um, you know, where's that button? Or where's that, you know, feature? Or how do I do that little trick with, th- with this? Yeah. Well, it's more, uh, this is what I want to do. Can it do it? So that's mm. what my exercise was last week. This is yeah. what I need to do. Can it do it? And it did. And I was very impressed. And yeah, so I'm, I've now moved over to that moving forward uh, as well. That, that completes the massive switchover of 2020 for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else I need to switch? Oh, God knows. No, but that will do yeah. for the minute. Mike, how about you? What's your fine of the week? Well, I've actually got a couple uh, of, of ones that have come to mind. Um, spotted over the weekend that uh, Apple is now selling the 16-inch Mac Pro laptops on their refurb store, which basically means you can get a machine for 15% less than the normal uh, list price. 
And that's pretty impressive when you bear in mind that Apple really don't discount. Because essentially what, what you're getting is that they all sold a machine to someone, something's happened, it's got returned, and they've gone through, checked it all, made sure it's all absolutely fine, then packed it up into a white box rather than one with lots of branding all over it, and you can buy it. Essentially, a new machine, but they can't call it a new machine. And the other thing for me, I mean, I haven't bought, I haven't bought an Apple machine not through the refurb store. So in other words, all my Apples are for a long time, and, and Apples for clients and all the rest of it, uh, I've bought through the refurb store um, because you can get them for 15% less. You can often get the slightly older version, and, and at certain tier, uh, key turning points in um Apple computer developments like going from uh, having a whole line of uh, of different or of different connectors on the side to then going to um, Thunderbolt and then going to USB-C. If you don't want the USB-C, then go look at a a machine that's available on the refurb store. And of course, the absolute key point, as far as I'm concerned, is you can buy refurbed apples all over the place. But nearly all of them, you won't be able to get Apple Care on it. Well, of course, the Apple Refurb Store, they're all at Apple certified, and you can get Apple Care because, as far as uh, Apple are concerned, it is a new machine. So you can get Apple Care. And for me personally, a laptop without Apple Care is not a clever idea. So, because if it does cause a problem, it does break, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. And just go to the nearest Apple store and get it fixed. Um, so yes, so that's that one. And the other one is I've just been updating my studio machine to Mac OS Mojave, and w several bits of software sort of uh, fell off, not working, uh, not appropriate. And one of them was Tech Tool Pro, which is basically a hard disk maintenance software, fix things, etc. And um, so I went on the Tech Tool Pro website, uh, looked at the upgrades, found that there was a very cost-effective upgrade route from my relatively old uh, version of Tech Tool Pro. And also when I was buying it, the, the, the really the, the key of the story is I, I think it was the, the upgrade was $59.95. I can't remember exactly. But for an extra £21... I could have another copy of it, which means I could put a copy a copy of the latest version of Tech Tool Pro on my laptop. Well, that was a no-brainer. There's certainly something that I've not really seen as a as a a marketing ploy or whatever to be able to offer a second copy at a vastly reduced price. Because bearing in mind this is an upgrade price, and it was still a third of the upgrade price. It's not a third of the new price. Uh, so getting a second copy that was a no-brainer. So a uh, good shout out to, tech, to the guys at uh, Micromat who make Tech Tool Pro for that little um, offering. Uh, and on that note, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night. <laughs>